Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. This is where you get nutrition, health, fitness, performance, all perfectly packaged together in a bite-sized podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. Dairy. Dairy is the topic today. Where does it fit in to a healthy lifestyle? I thought I should do an episode specifically talking about dairy Uh, and my stance on dairy. I think people hear me rant a lot about dairy and gluten and inflammation. They just automatically assume that I am 100% against all dairy all the time. And I think my clients would back me up on this, that a lot of them use dairy and I don't persuade them otherwise. I do consume some dairy uh, probably on a monthly basis or maybe every other two or three weeks. And, you know, and I try to stick by my own advice that I give my clients on dairy. And so I aim to share that advice with you today. Uh, There's a lot of nuances around dairy. I think, you know, one of the most logical ways that we can look at dairy is it's not created equal. Okay. Just like saying that all meat is bad. um, Yeah. You can say that hot dogs are bad, but what about like, you know, a wild caught sockeye salmon? Okay. We can't just say that all dairy is bad. And I think some coaches are guilty of this and I don't want to be misunderstood that I'm saying all dairy is bad all the time. I think there's a place for uh, certain organic yogurts. Um, especially I think there's a place for more use of goat's milk and sheep's milk and different types of milk other than just cows. So I want to kind of break this down and Specifically, when we're talking about dairy, most all dairy comes from grass-fed, organic cows or conventional cows, conventional feedlot dairy cows, right? Well, here's the interesting thing. In the research, clearly grass-fed organic has more B12, it has more bioavailable minerals, and it has large, large amounts more omega-3 fatty acids, like literally the fatty acid composition of the meat or of the dairy is being changed by whether it was fed corn and soy in a feedlot or whether it was grass-fed and it was foraging uh, on a field locally here in Arkansas. So when we talk about the inflammation topic, right, because I talk about this a lot on this podcast, Um, The inflammation topic to do with gluten and dairy and sugar and things like that. If we if we break this down for dairy, it boils down to basically two or three things. Are you eating conventional dairy? Do you have a lactose intolerance or do you have a gluten intolerance? And I'm going to talk about all three and why they matter in in the context of dairy. First, though. Uh, I want to talk about numerous studies have shown that conventional feedlot cattle or cows, whether it's dairy cows or beef cows, have been shown to have large amounts of pesticides, growth hormones, and antibiotics. If you don't believe me, then why do all the packages at the store have to say that they they don't use growth hormones, antibiotics? And for years, this has been a practice in the dairy and beef cows. Um, grass-fed local cows have way, way, way less of these things, especially when it comes to pesticides. They should have no hormones or antibiotics whatsoever to be labeled organic. Second, um, the fatty acid composition. I want to dive into that a little bit more. 
Um, the grass-fed cattle have higher omega-3 fatty acids and lower saturated fat profile, which makes sense. They're not eating a bunch of corn and soy and fattening up, which is what these big fat cats agriculturally want the beef to do, right? Uh, this in itself is lower inflammation when consumed, whether it's dairy or beef by humans. Um, so we have to understand that the composition of the cow changes to either high omega-6, which comes from lots of corn and lots of soy, right? Uh, same thing with corn and soy oil. Those are high omega-6 oils. Uh, versus the grass-fed organic cattle that have high omega-3s. Well, we know EPA and DHA and omega-3s are very anti-inflammatory. So automatically, the grass-fed cattle are going to be less inflammatory or more of an anti-inflammatory diet than the conventionally raised dairy cows. Now, on top of that, remember that toxins are stored as fat-soluble toxins. There's water-soluble toxins and there's fat-soluble toxins. Fat-soluble toxins are stored in the fat of the animal or in the human, right? So this saturated fat profile that comes along with these grass-fed cattle that also have pesticides, also have antibiotics, also have growth hormones, where do you think or what do you think is in their fat-soluble uh, toxin storage, <laughs> the pesticides, the growth hormones, the antibiotics, whatever that uh, has to be sequestered away in that animal, it's in the fat of that animal, which could also be in the muscle of that animal. The marbleization in um, a conventional grass fed, or I'm sorry, conventional feedlot ribeye or something like that. But it also is in the dairy as well. Remember, there's lots of fat in dairy. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about that here in a second. And then also, this is the third point here that dairy has been shown to clearly cross react or mimic gluten proteins. This is specifically the casein protein of milk. There's two main types of proteins. Uh, there's whey protein and there's casein protein. Casein protein looks very similar in its molecular structure to gliadin or gluten protein. Okay. So in people that already have gluten sensitivity, like myself, casein protein will actually trigger my immune system to think that I just had gluten. And that raises my immune system, it raises inflammation, and it raises white blood cell count. Uh, therefore, like I'll put on water weight, I'll retain water, um, all the signs to me that I'm puffy and swollen and um, inflamed. Okay. Which is also why I talk a lot about on this show, the thorn whey isolate protein, because yes, it's a dairy product. Yes, I use that like five days a week, if not more. Um, that thorn whey isolate protein that I'm always talking about, it's isolated the whey specifically away from all the other proteins. That's what makes it more of an anti-inflammatory piece of dairy, okay? It's also grass-fed. Um, and so I really, really like, it tastes amazing. It's, um, vanilla. It's just like the jam when it comes to my morning smoothie, which happens to be a cup and a half of blueberries, a scoop of the vanilla whey protein, a scoop of the thorn creatine, spirulina, chlorella. Uh, and then I also do a big scoop of peanut butter, almond butter. I blend that up. It's like a blueberry, vanilla, peanut buttery awesomeness that I look forward to every morning. 
And as usual, you guys can pick that up 25% off the entire store at Thorn Supplements. All you have to do is email me. Join the client invite list if you haven't already. Thank you to all you guys that have and are supporting the show. Um, that's email me at muscles and veggies, all one word, muscles and veggies at gmail me. Gmail me. I just said that. Email me at gmail me. That should be a commercial, right? So muscles and veggies at gmail. Tell me when to join the client invite list, 25% off the whole store. Pick yourself up some of that whey isolate protein and stay away from the casein protein uh, that could or could not be inflammatory for you if you have a gluten sensitivity. So we've talked about kind of the, the backbone of the argument for inflammation and dairy um, and the poor nutrient value compared to the high nutrient value of the organic uh, grass-fed local cattle versus the conventional feedlot cattle. So what types of dairy have the highest nutritional value? What do we really want to focus on? Well, basically local grass-fed organic milks, cheeses, and yogurts. Um, I think it's clear to me that uh, the, the conventional feedlot, cows, dairy, beef, all of that is no bueno. So my wife and I actually do best with a lot with goat's milk and we use this to bake. We use this to cook. Um, it's not something like we sit around and drink because again, dairy is not, it's a condiment. It's not like a food group, right? I hate how like the nutritional guidelines always have dairy listed as like it's its own food group um, in the U.S. nutritional guidelines. So what are some best practices for dairy? Well, here's some that I give to my clients. I try to stay away from soft cheeses and milk. And I try to, if I do have cow's milk, I have like an aged hard cheese, maybe like a Parmesan or something like that. That's organic um, or it's grass fed. I also will do yogurts, uh, same type, same principle here, organic grass fed yogurts for the same reason. The fermentation process actually ferments out a lot of the inflammatory compounds that are in um, dairy to start with. So, you know, limit dairy to special occasions. It can be very addictive. Uh, there's also a molecule in, um, this is, this is part of the casein, but it's called casomorphin seven, beta casomorphin seven. And this is a morphine like compound that makes dairy, uh, be very addictive. Okay. And they're actually studying it right now in ADD and ADHD in children because of its effects that they believe are causing restlessness, schizophrenia, um, and autism-like aggravation, okay? So this BCM7 molecule, this casomorphin, is just like morphine in how it affects uh, opiate receptors in the brain. And I, you know, I've talked to so many people over the years, like, oh, I don't think I can give up my dairy. I have dairy every day. And it's like, yeah, you might want to look into that. Um, I just think that dairy is, is like way, way overused. I think it's, uh, like bacon. It's like, it's a flavor enhancer, you know, it's not like a, a staple part of our diet, like one of our main sources of protein or anything like that. So I just feel like keeping dairy in its proper place. Um, you know, that's, that's the bottom line in this conversation and using it like it is a condiment. And unless you're using like, you know, the whey protein isolate, uh, like I'm talking about from Thorn, 
then it's a good protein source that I can use as a supplement, a meal supplement for getting my protein intake. And it's stripped away from all these other compounds. I mean, we have to remember that um, milk in itself that comes from an animal, um, it's high in protein, it's high in fat, and it's high in carbohydrate. Show me another food besides milk on this planet that is high in all three of those things proteins, fats, and carbs. There isn't, okay? There is not a food like it. So when it comes to like weight loss and fat burning and things like that, you might want to look at that if you're having trouble losing weight and managing your weight and you're consuming a lot of dairy because what is dairy designed to do? It's designed to take this little calf and turn it into, you know, a 900 pound animal in a matter of months. Okay. So that's just kind of where I feel like we have to be logical and look at dairy from a a kind of balanced standpoint. And so the bottom line is everybody's got to choose where they stand when it comes to dairy. And I feel like everybody should be experimenting and maybe even like, hopefully somebody hears this and wants to adopt some of these tips, like a grass fed organic, you know, aged hard cheese or yogurt, maybe using goat's milk in the place of cow's milk, excuse me, all of these can be like really good ways to circumvent inflammation, lower your calorie intake, and to make sure that you're uh, just being, you know, more uh, cognizant of the amount of dairy that you let into your everyday eating plan. And everybody has to experiment with this and kind of choose what works for them. Uh, I advocate everybody do an elimination diet for 30 days, especially if you have a gluten sensitivity already that you know is an issue. An an elimination diet is super easy. Cut dairy out for 30 days, add it back in, see how you feel. Your body will tell the story. And we have to learn how to listen to our bodies um, and be more of aware of what the signals that it's sending us and telling us. Uh, because that's what that's what's going to be the most conducive to our health. Don't wait for a doctor to tell you that you have a food intolerance or an allergy to something or a reaction. Pay attention. Your body will tell you the story. And, and if there's nothing else I can advocate more on this show, it's to become more self-aware. Pay attention to the signals that your body is sending you. It will tell you the things that it likes and it'll tell you the things that it doesn't like. And I can sit here and tell you all the things all day long that my body likes, but your body is totally different from mine. So any coach that's telling you to do whatever they're doing doesn't have enough coaching experience uh, to make an accurate protocol or an accurate uh, advice giving platform. Okay, so you can also measure uh, measure your your inflammation based on a CRP lab. So let's say you go into your doctor and you get your labs ran and you have CRP ran and you're eating dairy up until that point. Okay, that day, stop eating dairy, go back in and have it retested three or four weeks later, even if you have to pay for it from a local lab. That will tell you a huge part of the story. If you see that your CRP jumps way down, your blood inflammation is is now way down, um, that's a really good indication that dairy may be a source of inflammation for you, especially if you've changed nothing else, everything's the exact same. All you did is cut out dairy for three or four weeks and you see your inflammation is much lower. That would be a huge sign. Okay. You know, the other way to look at this too is when, when it comes to inflammation, pay attention to the common signs of, 
you know, possible dairy intolerance. So gas bloating is actually very common. Uh, puffiness and swelling, especially the day after gluten, or I'm sorry, dairy and gluten is a, a common sign of inflammation. Um, another one is congestion. Like I, when, as soon as I have dairy, usually about an hour or two later, especially if it's conventional dairy, I'll notice like I'm clearing my throat a lot and maybe some like a little bit of like blowing my nose. It's just a weird kind of congestion that for me, it only happens when I have like cheese at a Mexican restaurant or some kind of conventional dairy. It doesn't necessarily happen with an organic dairy unless I start having it like multiple days in a row. Okay. So I hope these are all balanced ways to look at dairy. Um, and again, you know, it's a condiment, it's not a food group. So we have to put it in its proper place, use it for flavor enhancement, you know, be more balanced, um, making sure that we're doing our body due diligence by paying attention to the signals it's sending us. And then we can all kind of know where we stand on dairy and leave and live uh, an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, which is what this podcast is all about. So if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, again, you can support the show in multiple ways. Uh, you can buy some Thorn products. Um, you can join that client invite list and get 25% off the entire store. It doesn't cover bundles and it doesn't cover testing, but it does cover everything else under the supplement realm. And then you can also review the show. All of you guys that have left me reviews on Google under Muscles and Veggies Fitness, uh, I really appreciate that. That helps people find my personal training services here in Northwest Arkansas. You can also share this show with somebody else who's maybe like thinking they might have dairy problems or thinking they might want to, you know, eliminate dairy or they, they want a, a, a perspective on it. Um, and then of course you can review me on whatever podcast player you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, um, podcast addict, something like that. But I like that all the feedback I've been getting from you guys on the show. And I appreciate you very much for listening and spending this 18 minutes with me. I'll see you next week. So subscribe to the show if you haven't already, because I put a show out every week and we'll talk more on the muscles and veggies fitness podcast. Thanks.